Rejoice, ladies and gentlemen, because you're listening to Just Another Fanboy, episode number 232, JAF Classics number five, I'm Taking Up Space. That was a, that was a bit of a mouthful. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. My name is Steve and I'm your host, and hey, guess what? I got the COVID, which is, of course, the reason why I didn't release any episodes of anything last week. And while I think I've turned the corner of this whole COVID thing this week, I'm still pretty flippin' exhausted. It's like fatigue has just soaked into my very bones, and it's really difficult for me to do much of anything. I mean, I'm even having a hard time doing this, but... I didn't want another week to go by without any episodes, so this week you're going to get two of the JAF Classics episodes, because frankly, I don't have to put as much work into those. You're getting one today, and then you're going to get one on Thursday, and hopefully by the end of the week, I will feel up to doing an episode for my patrons over on patreon.com slash Stephen R. Or now... Before I pass out, let's just get into it. Here's episode number five, which was originally published on September 27th, 2006. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that smells like cheese. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx Broadcasting production. Just like a comic book, just like a comic book, just like a comic book, just like a Welcome to episode number five of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, September the 26th, and is brought to you by the letter A and the number 18. My name is Steven, somebody bring me a pizza or, and I'm here to guide you through this cornucopia of comic book audio randomness. Joining me this week, of course, is everyone's favorite wet blanket, Norman, Oklahoma. Wet blanket? I got me a wet blanket right here that I'd like to wrap around your dern head and choke the life out of you with, you dern pansy. Yes, very delightful to have you on again, Mr. Oklahoma. Norman, of course, will be up at the end of the show to bring you the view from Norman, Oklahoma. And Norman, I believe you brought a guest in with you today? That's right. I got my cousin Gary here with me today. Gary, Indiana. Gary, say hi. How do? Well, hello, Gary. And I believe, Gary, that you have a song for us later in the program? That's right, yeah. Great. We look forward to hearing that later. Okay. So before we really get into the show, I have a... Excuse me, I'd like to sing it for you now, if I could. Oh, well, we we do have you slotted in for later in the show. Thanks, though, Gary, but we really need to get going. Anyway, I have just a couple of announcements to... uh, uh, Excuse me again, I'd really like to sing the song now. What? Well, I was just saying that, that if it don't make no difference to you, I'd like to sing the song now. It's a little song that Norman wrote for me, and he thought you'd love to hear it. Again, thank you, but we do have a space slotted for you later in the program. But for now... Oh, uh, come on! Just listen to the boys' song already! Look, this is a comic book podcast, and I haven't even said one word about comics yet. Gary can wait until after the news or my picks of the week. (laughs) Now, look. You made the boy cry. No, it's okay. If If he want me to wait, I can wait. It's just that I, I worked real hard on the song. Okay, okay, fine. You can sing your song. No, I, I, I don't want to trouble you. I can wait. No, no. Far be it for me to make a grown man cry. 
If you want to sing the song, then sing it. I don't know. You're mad at me now. I can't sing when you're mad at me. Besides, I know you don't really want to hear it. No, no, really I do. Please, sing the song for us, Gary. Yeah, Gary, sing the dang song. I'm sure Stephen will like it. Okay. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space in your podcast. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space in your podcast. Okay, great. That was. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space in your podcast. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space in your podcast. Okay, again, great. Thank you. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space in your podcast. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space in your podcast. Okay, great. That's enough. No more. I'm I don't want to come, come on, guys. Guys, if you don't stop, I'm gonna have to get violent. Do you want me to get violent? I'm gonna get violent on you. Don't make me get violent on you. Oh, fine. Here I go. You want it? Here it comes. I'm taking up space. Hey, take that. There, okay. Then, all right. You two try to hijack my show again, I'm going to blow the both of you up. Got it? Yes, sir. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that? Yes, sir. Okay, then. Now, as I was saying, before we really get into this week's show, I do have one or two things to talk about. Thing number one. Just Another Fanboy now comes equipped with its very own message board. We don't have the link up yet at justanotherfanboy.com, but you can find it at www.pythonland.com fanboy. Be there or be someone who is living an unfulfilled life. Thing number two. Someone over at the comic book Geek Speak forums recently started a thread about Jeff Smith and his bone comic, and it got me thinking of the three bone trades I had from the library just sitting unread on my shelf. So I got them out and read them over the last week, and this is a book I just wanted to throw out there as my recommendation to anyone. This is an all-ages book that all ages will enjoy. Jeff Smith has created what looks from the outside to be a silly little cartoon kid's book, but instead is an epic adventure that stretches out over many beautifully illustrated issues. Originally done in black and white, Scholastic has recently been releasing colorized versions of the trade, though all the colorized versions have yet to be released. If you like the black and white or just can't wait for the colorized versions, then you should pick up the one-volume edition that crams the over 1,300-page story into one volume. If you've passed this book up because you've dismissed it as just a cartoony kid's book, pick it up. You won't be disappointed. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, let's move on to listeners' emails. Okay, this week's email comes from Steve in Westbury, New York, and Steve writes, The electric company sort of got me into comics too, but it was Letterman that I really liked as a kid. The first comic that got me into comics was Amazing Spider-Man 127. I liked your show. Keep it up, Steve. Thanks, Steve. In all honesty, I had no clue who Letterman was. The only Letterman I knew was named David, and he hosts a little-known late-night talk show for CBS. 
So I sent a reply back to Steve from Westbury, and he filled me in on the character, as well as giving me his thoughts on other comic issues. He writes, The Adventures of Letterman was a cartoon segment on The Electric Company. I also remember Morgan Freeman with his big afro. Some of my Desert Island reads are Ultimate Spider-Man, Walking Dead, Fables, Ultimate Fantastic Four. I also think All-Star Superman is a dynamite read. As far as Civil War goes, I'm against registration, and I'm really starting to hate that bastard Iron Man. Someone should sneak some booze into his water bottle. I'll be listening to your show. You're a cold man, Steve. And now, news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by Jock 2.0, the most technologically advanced male undergarment on the market today. Are boxers too freeing? Do your tidy whities provide too much support? Do you find that your boys need something just a little more? Well, why not try Jock 2.0, the male undergarment for the 21st century man. Jock 2.0 adjusts to the wearer's body to provide just the right amount of support for you and your boys. Just find the right comfort level on the patented Jock number dial, set the number, and spend the day in perfect support and comfort tailored just for you. Jock 2.0, because adjusting yourself in public is just not cool. Jock 2.0 must never be allowed to get wet or damp. 79% of users who perspired while wearing Jock 2.0 noticed a dramatic decrease in sperm count and the complete inability to father a child. The recently released Marvel Zombies hardcover has sold out. Collecting all five issues of the limited series along with covers from all the various printings, the Marvel Zombies hardcover is being rushed back to press for a second printing with an all-new zombie tribute cover to Amazing Spider-Man number 316 by Arthur Suidam. For the unprecedented 30th line of Spawn action figures, McFarlane Toys is taking a departure from the Spawn line's traditionally shadowy world and reimagining it reimagining it as a hyperkinetic, high-energy adventure in the tradition of great Saturday morning cartoons. Eye-popping color, articulated, streamlined figures, many with interchangeable heads and hands, and a, and a dynamic new storyline will bring fans a spawn they may never have imagined. Leading up to the November 2006 release of the Spawn 30 action figures, McFarlane's website, Spawn.com, is releasing, is releasing an online feature beginning with an evolving online comic, The Adventures of Spawn. Drawn by celebrated comic artist Carrie Randolph and written by J Jonathan David Goff, The Adventures of Spawn Online comic includes complete character biographies, a story-specific glossary, and actual comic book pages posted in four-page increments. It will all culminate in a comprehensive online feature that will include action figure and packaging photography, quick-time VR movies, downloadable desktop wallpapers, and information on where this highly collectible line will be sold. Visit Spawn.com for more information. According to IESB.net, Sam Raimi has just penned a deal with Dark Horse Entertainment and Josh Donan to produce Arch Enemies, a Dark Horse comics release based on two roommates who, as their costume alter egos, are mortal enemies. While movies have, for decades, employed coming attractions or trailers to announce themselves to the world, rarely have independent comic book creators had a video trailer hype their upcoming series, until now. In conjunction with ComicBookResources.com, the creators of the new Image Comics title Meltdown will be debuting their new online video trailer, giving comic book fans worldwide a chance to get an animated sneak preview of the highly anticipated series. 
The Meltdown trailer launched on September 21, 2006, only on comicbookresources.com, before branching out into other venues later this week. Visit www.imagecomics.com for more information. This November, Image Comics debuts The Nightly News, a political and socially aware comic book that is sure to raise eyebrows from the comics world. Already being compared to the comics work of indie legend Brian Wood, The Nightly News is the debut book for creator Jonathan Hickman, who handles all the writing, art, lettering, and coloring himself. Visit image.coms for more imaging, imagecomics.com for more information. Heroes on NBC premiered this last Monday, and it kicked some serious ass. Created by Tom Kring, the series follows the lives of people from all over the world who suddenly discover they have superpowers. In addition to the TV series, there's also a series of weekly online comics written by members of the writing staff, including writers familiar to comic books such as Jeff Loeb and Aaron Colliet. Each webisode will be published to coincide with each new episode and will feature artwork by Michael Turner, Jim Lee, Tim Sale, and others. Check out the Heroes webcomic at heroes.nbc.com. Fear Agent joins the Dark Horse family. Breakout talent Rick Remender teams with Eisner-nominated artist Tony Moore and Russ Manning, award winner Jerome Opena, to tell the story of the last of the Fear Agents, the band of Texans who once defended Earth from an onslaught of alien annihilation. Fear Agent is the story of a man stripped of all that he loved, his home, his family, and his world. These days, Heath Houston spends his hours with only his ship's onboard computer system and a bottle of whiskey to keep him company, putting himself in constant danger for low wages and little thanks. This coming February, Dark Horse will be reprinting the first trade paperback collection originally released by Image Comics, as well as the first edition, first edition of Volume 2, with the series picking up again in its monthly form later in the spring. And movie news, according to Reuters, 20th Century Fox has chosen Academy Award-winning visual effects house Weta Digital to create a state-of-the-art version of The Silver Surfer for the upcoming film The Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. In DVD news, Season 5 of the Fox Hit 24 will be seeing release on DVD this December 5th. You know, the wife and I have watched the first four seasons of 24 through Netflix, and I'm still waiting for Jack to yell out at some point, We could call the damn show six if you people would just let me do my damn job! Maybe I'll see it in Season 5. And released on DVD this week, Danger Mouse, The Final Seasons, and Riptide Season 1. Riptide, yeah! And that's your news and information you could have easily gotten via yourself with just a little effort. now my comic book picks of the week from dc comics this week we have action comics number 843 written by kurt busick and fabian nesiza art by pete woods cover by dave gibbons it's the cosmic wrap-up for superman and his allies as they battle an alien invader who's like nothing they've fought before superman discovers a compelling secret 
one that could swing the conflict in his favor. But without powers, how can he or the Titans prevail? Blue Beetle number 7, written by John Rogers, art by Cully Hammer, cover by Duncan Rulo. With the armor's secret revealed, Beetle now sees everything that's happening to him in a new light. Will it estrange him permanently from the heroes of the DCU? Justice League of America number 2, written by Brad Meltzer, art by Ed Benes and Sandra Hope, cover by Michael Turner. The selection process continues. A new villain appears, and a sinister figure ensures that the first casualty is Red Tornado's android body. For Marvel, my picks are Captain America number 22, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Mike Perkins, cover by Steve Epting. The first of a three-part Civil War tie-in by Ed Brubaker and Mike Perkins. While Cap has fallen into the conflict of the Civil War, in a clash with his government and his friends, the people close to him have suffered in their own ways. In part one of The Drums of War, we take a look inside S.H.I.E.L.D. and how Cap's girlfriend, Agent 13's life, is torn apart as her divided loyalties are used against her by her superiors. Also, a new villain emerges and the Red Skull begins to make himself known. Daredevil number 89, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Michael Lark, cover by Lee Bermejo. Daredevil's search for truth leads him out of the country on a swashbuckling noir adventure that hasn't been seen in the pages of Daredevil for years. But is this the other Daredevil, or the original? Only time will tell as the hit new Daredevil creative team of Brubaker and Lark dives straight into their second arc. Ultimates 2, number 12, written by Mark Miller, art by Brian Hitch and Paul Neary. This is it. The double-sized finale. America strikes back against the Liberators as ace artist Brian Hitch draws every single superhero in the Ultimate Universe in combat to free the United States. Plus, the true fate of Thor, the return of the Defenders, and every major plotline from the Ultimates since its inception comes together at last. If ever there was a big one you should not miss, Ultimates 2, number 12 is it. If you do but one thing with your life, read this comic. And that's my comic book, Picks of the Week. I think it should be noted here that my picks each week aren't based on books that I have actually read. I get my comic shipped to me once a month, and besides, I record these episodes on Tuesdays, the day before the books are released. No, my picks just reflect the books that I am most looking forward to in each particular week. I should also announce here the official start of the Change Stephen's Mind Challenge here at Just Another Fanboy. So here we go. Change Stephen's Mind. You'll notice from my picks each week that I pretty much only read books from the big two, and I tend to get a little crap now and again for not buying any so-called indie books. The thing is, when you're a fanboy on a budget, it's hard to justify taking what little money you have and buying a book you know nothing about and may not even like. It's just safer to spend your money on what you know. But now you have a chance, dear listener, to change my mind. Send me an email at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and suggest a title. More than that, try to convince me that I need to buy that title. If you do your job right and you convince me, then I'll drop a book I'm currently getting and pick up your book instead. So step up to the challenge, people. You want me to read more indie? 
than Shane Stevens Mine. Okay, that was fun. And now for the low rent fanboy tip of the week. If you got the money, I've got the time. We'll go honky talking and we'll have a time. We'll make all the nice spots, dance, drink beer and wine. If you got the money, honey, I've got the time. This week's tip use the internet. There are a great big bunch of sites out there on the information superhighway that you can use to research and catch up on stories that you may have missed or just didn't get to because you couldn't afford them. For example, I found a 35-part article devoted solely to the Clone Saga from the Spider-Man books. This is a great find as not only do the articles give you the entire story, it provides, as the site says, a running commentary by the people behind the front lines of this event and former Marvel writer and editor extraordinaire Glenn Greenberg will be joining me each chapter to provide commentary on what was going on from the insider's perspective. This is a great series of articles and it provided me with the opportunity to understand what happened during an event that I never read. For the link to this article as well as other great research sites, see just another fanboy message board at www.pythonland.com fanboy. If you have your own low-rent tips that you'd like to share, send them to me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and I will share them with the world. And that was your low-rent fanboy tip of the week. And now, Silly Poems with Lord Crisp. <laughs> So I begin. Body of rock with an orange hue. Deep-set eyes, the color of blue. Strength of many, a heart of gold. Must clean himself thoroughly from fear of mold. Was once a man, now looks a beast. Had to buy new clothes when his mass increased. He cannot dance, he cannot sing. He's the ever-loving, blue-eyed thing. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you again, Lord Crisp. And now this week we have... Oh, good Lord. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. This week on Heroes. Heroes premiered on NBC this past Monday, and I'd like to include a new segment here, just another fanboy, to summarize what happened this week on Heroes to try to keep everyone up to date and ready for the next episode. This will be full of spoilers, so if you haven't seen the episode yet, then you might want to wait till you go any further. First, let's meet our cast of characters from the pilot episode. Mohinder Suresh, 
A genetics professor in India is led by his father's mysterious death to uncover a secret theory. There are people with superpowers living among us, and Mohinder's father has gone to New York to locate who he thought of as his patient Zero, the one who was the first to acquire these powers, someone he named Silar. Peter Petrelli, a young male nurse, tries to convince his politician brother that he can fly. Claire Bennett, a high school cheerleader, learns that she is totally indestructible. Nikki Saunders, a Las Vegas stripper, struggling to make ends meet to support her son, discovers that her mirror image has a secret. Isaac, a gifted artist whose drug addiction is destroying his life and relationship with his girlfriend, can paint the future. And in Japan, Hiro Makamura develops a way to stop time through sheer willpower that also allows him to teleport. Okay, so we'll start with Mohinder. Before coming to New York, Mohinder visits his father's apartment in India and gathers his research papers before discovering that he is not alone in the apartment. A mysterious man wearing glasses whom it seems is being set up as the show's villain. Mohinder then comes to New York to continue his father's research and gets a job driving for the same taxi company that his father worked for. At one point, he picks up a fare who happens to be the very same man in glasses that was lurking about his father's apartment. Once, the re- once this realization dawns on Mohinder, he immediately stops the cab and runs for it. Peter works for Isaac the painter's girlfriend, whose father is in a coba. Peter cares for her father, all the while having dreams that he can fly. He tries to convince his brother of this, who is having none of it. His, father is, his, fa- his brother is a politician running for Congress whose only concern is himself. Peter manages to get his brother into an alley by calling him on his cell phone. Peter is standing atop the building overlooking the alley and leaps off to show his brother that he can fly. The thing is, he would have fallen to his death had his brother not flown up to catch him. That's right, it's his brother who can fly. But can F- Peter fly too? Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. I kind of missed that part as my mom called right in the middle of the whole thing. Nikki has borrowed $30,000 from the mob to get her genius son into a fancy prep school, and now she's running from the mob's heavies who are trying to collect. She keeps seeing her reflection doing strange things, such as winking back at her, and when the heavies finally catch up to her, she passes out only to wake and find that the two tough guys are killed and the room is in a shambles. She sees her reflection one more time, and her mirror self places her index finger to her lips in a shushing motion. Nikki's powers aren't quite clear yet. Isaac, the drugged-out artist, has gone crazy over the fact that he's been painting scenes of devastation from the future while he's in a drug-addled state, and kicks his girlfriend out so he can shoot up one last time and OD. Hero is in Japan and learns that he can bend space and time and even teleport. He's a comic book geek who is tired of being like everyone else in Japan, and so he teleports to New York. Claire has a boy from school videotape her jumping off the top of some kind of ironworks plant or something. Uh, She breaks various bones and has a nice big bloody gash running down her cheek, all of which heal up in a matter of seconds. Claire and her friend come upon a fire at an oil refinery or something. I I don't remember that being very clear. Anyway, Claire runs into the building... into the burning flames and rescues someone, and she, of course, comes out unburned. Later at home, we learn that Claire is adopted, and she tells her mother that she feels she's old enough to know who her real parents are. At this time, her father has returned from a business trip, and lo and behold, her father is the man in glasses that was after Mohinder. That's it. So far, the show is a blast. My wife watched it, and she is not a fan of comics, but she's hooked. The scenes from the next episode look promising as the heroes start to come together and we find that the answer 
to their purpose may lie in Isaac's painting. So come back next week for another spoilerific This Week on Heroes segment. And now, the view from Norman, Oklahoma. The View from Norman, Oklahoma, a weekly segment in which our resident curmudgeon pisses and moans regarding the world of comics, or just anything that generally pisses them off. Ladies and gentlemen, Norman, Oklahoma. Thank you, good people. You want to know what really pisses me off about the internet? Spoilers. I haven't yet had a chance to read Civil War number four, and I won't get the chance till next week. And because of this, I've had to stay as far away from the internet as possible because the darn place is chock full of excitable little net boys who fight tooth and nail to be the first person in the world to post the next big spoiler. Well, guess what, Zippo? I'd prefer to find, find out what happens in the book by reading the darn thing myself. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some folks out there who know and understand that some of us don't want to be spoiled. So when they post about it on some message board, they list a spoiler warning. So you know that if and you don't want to be spoiled, then don't read the post. But some of these little bastards put the darn spoiler right in a thread title. What's wrong with you people? Knock it off already. The writers of these books go through all the trouble to plot out a story that has these little surprises in them in just the right place, and they sure as heck don't want all their darn readers to know what's going to happen before they even pick up the book. Where's the fun in that? Why don't you just avoid the internet altogether? And that way you don't have to worry about being spoiled. But I like the internet. I like going to message boards and talking about comics. Why should I have to give up doing stuff I love just because a couple of meatheads out there can't follow the basic rules of decorum and post spoiler war- spoilers without warnings? Okay, well, good point. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't care what you're saying. I've said my piece. Now I'm out of here. So long. Well, that was The View from Norman, Oklahoma. And this brings another tooth-gnashing episode to a close. Remember, if you'd like to write in and tell me how much you love the show, because you know you do, shoot me an email at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com, and don't forget to register and post at the Just Another Fanboy message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. The theme song for this show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at garageband.com. The rest of the music for this week's episode comes from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. And hey, while you're out there on the internet, take a moment to check out all the other great programs from Lynx Broadcasting. Just follow the Lynx Broadcasting link found at the top of justanotherfanboy.com or go directly to their site at lynxbroadcasting.com. That's L-Y-N-X broadcasting.com. And so now, so now I leave you with my final thought of the week. Sometimes you just can't cook a biscuit when the pigs are loose in the field. See you next week.
There it is, folks. That is the episode. Just a couple of things I want to say real quick before I wrap it up. This, of course, uh, is the episode in which Gary Indiana first appeared, Norman's cousin. And I want to talk a bit about the song that Norman and Gary sang in this episode. That's not something as simple as the song is. I can't take credit for writing it. See, a long, long time ago, back uh, when I was, before I was married, when I was just a single guy, I was crashing on the couch of a friend of mine and I worked a third shift job. So during the day he was at work and I would be sleeping on his couch. Well, we had a friend, a mutual friend who knew, I guess he just knew that I was there trying to sleep and decided uh, uh, on many days to just come over and wake me up. And uh, while it infuriated me back then, looking looking back on it now, it's like, uh, no big deal. I'm still alive. But uh, I distinctly remember one particular morning in which I woke up to the sound of the phone ringing. And this was back in the day when you actually had answering machines with little tiny tape players that uh, you hooked up to your phones. And so I didn't answer the phone. I knew that the the answering machine would get it. And when the answering machine beeped on, I hear our mutual friend, his name was Larry. Well, it still is Larry. He starts singing a song into the answering machine and it went like this. I'm taking up space. And he sang it like that. He did a little accent. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space on your answer machine. And he just kept singing it over and over. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space. I'm taking up space on your answer machine. And I went through a whirlwind of emotions. I mean, he, I think he literally used up the entire tape. He kept singing until the tape ran out. And at first I started out uh, amused. I thought it was funny. And then I got annoyed. And then I got furious because here's this guy again who is going out of his way because I believe he at the time was unemployed. And so he didn't have anything to do. And so what he would want to do apparently was to keep me awake. And so I got infuriated. And eventually, after it just kept going and going and going and going and going, my infuriation, is that a word? It ended up turning back to amusement. And I just, I was laughing out loud, laying there on the couch, listening to him just, just leave this message. And I knew that at some point in my future, I would reuse that joke. And so we used it there on episode number five, which was recorded on September 26th and then published on September 27th, 2006. And I want to say real quick, I'm trying to wrap this up as quickly as I can, but well, I want to talk about the, the Herculean efforts I took to record these episodes, but you know what? I think I'll save that for JAF Classics episode number six. So that'll give you something to look forward to the because the way I used to record those episodes with the different voices, uh, you know, I, I recently, well, within the last couple of years, I had started recording um, Stephen or else, which also has multiple voices. And I do that quite differently now. I've learned how to record those types of episodes without taking up as much time. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that on Thursday, folks. So that's the episode. That was episode number five. And Here's the thing, even though I still uh even though I still stumble over the script throughout the episode without any attempt to fix it, which I wouldn't do nowadays, and I'm still calling listeners feedback, listeners emails, which eventually becomes a section called listeners feedback. 
I feel that this was the episode where the show really took off and became something a bit special, if I'm allowed to say that about my own show. But uh, really, I really am enjoying going back and listening to these, and I hope that you're listening to them as well. If you want to participate in the if you want to participate in the listeners' feedback portion of the episodes, which haven't officially started yet because nobody's emailing me, even obviously you get because nobody's emailing me yet. You can send an email to just another fanboy at gmail.com. Until then, folks, my name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.